Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Everybody, welcome to South Valley, and you that are at home tuning in, we welcome you as well. This is an opportunity to come before the Lord. Now, I know that we lost an hour of sleep, but you are the second service, so you should be a little bit more awake, right? Y'all ready to worship the Lord together? Raise your voices up. All right, come on. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Come on. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Here we go, come on. I raise a hallelujah everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness leave. I raise.
Good morning, good morning. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a thankful heart? Oh, there was a pause. I felt that. Do you? Ah, oh, okay. Because it's hard sometimes to be thankful, right? We've got some mess. Life is messy. But this is what the Bible tells us. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So we hold on to that promise. We can be thankful in all circumstances. We can be thankful that we lost an hour of sleep. Yeah. Let's lift it up.
Close your eyes and, and lift these words up to him.
And we can stand on this promise, on his promise. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to worship this morning. So I want everybody to clap. I want you to raise your voices. Come on. Let's give them all our praise.
know, God is moving, and when we give him praise and just readjust our circumstances, helps us to realize that we are not alone in these things, that God is for us. We, we just profess with our mouths that God can move mountains. We've seen him do it, and he will do it again. And, and we've talked for weeks about how we've been going through a time, kind of wandering through a desert, right? But God is good. God will make a way. We have to have that kind of faith because if we live that faith out, it impacts the world around us. People see us and go, why do you have joy? Why do you have peace? Because I have Jesus. That's why. That's why. So let's lift these words up and invite the Holy Spirit to dwell. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. Worship you. You are here working in this place. Amen. I worship you. Come on. Lord, I worship you. You are here, every voice moving in our midst. I worship you, my Lord. Oh, I worship you. You are here, Lord. You are working, working in this place. Come on. I worship you. I worship you. Let me hear you, church. Lift it up. Away, maker. Way maker. Even loud, tell the Lord you make a way. Way make miracle work, promise keeping light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Keep saying that till you believe it in your heart. Come on, sing it. Way make miracle work, promise keeping light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You make a way through it all, my Lord. Way make Miracle work, promise deep, light in the darkness, my God.
we cannot see it, and even if we do not feel it, God is for us. He's not against us. He works on our behalf, constantly working because He loves us. Created a way through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're with us at home, we want you to join with us as we sing these words. Come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Father, Lord, we come before you and we give you praise. Thank you for an opportunity this morning to come together to worship you throughout this whole day for the great God that you are, for an opportunity to sing your praises and exalt you, Lord. I pray that as we have professed these words with our mouths, Lord, we would hold on to them as promises from you. Whenever we're dealing with circumstances throughout this week, we would know that you are a God who makes a way. You are a God who does it time and time again then we would rely on your goodness, Lord, and just raise it up to give you praise. Lord, help us to be a light to the world around us. Help our light to shine so bright to give you glory and draw people to you to make a difference in lives, Lord. And if there's one here today, if there's one watching who doesn't understand how precious and how much they are loved by you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart. Let them know they are valued. Let them know they're wonderfully made in your image. You love them so much you sacrificed your son, Lord that they would take a step of faith towards you, Lord, and want to know more about that love. So again, we give you praise, and we raise it up to you, Lord. All honor and glory go to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, South Valley, thank you for worshiping with us today. 
We hope that the service blesses your heart. We know we're blessed to be able to worship with you today. So we want to make sure that you stay informed as to what's happening here and afford you some opportunity to be able to grow and to connect. So let's get right to it, y'all. If you are newer to SBCC, we would love for you to fill out a Connect card. You can do so online or you can fill out a physical card. If you're in person, those are right underneath your seats. And then just drop them off in the donation station on your way out by the exit doors. And we will reach out to you and we would love to be able to do that. Now, we are in the midst of a canned food drive for the month of March in partnership with Lamore Christian Aid. And it's all an effort to be a blessing to our community and help fight hunger in our area. So if you're interested in partnering with us in that, you can bring your non-perishables to our worship center foyer on Sunday mornings. And you can also bring them to the Renewed Thrift Store right next door to Best Buy Market across the street from us. So we would love for you to partner with us in that effort as we seek to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Easter is coming up, you guys, and we're going to be giving details out about Easter here very soon. But in the meantime, we want to give you a simple way to be able to invite those who are in your life to a service on Easter Sunday with us here at SBCC. So sign up for You've Been Egged, y'all. And on the 21st or on the 28th, you're going to go pick up your Easter bag from the Children's Ministry check-in area. It's got some goodies in there, like some candy-filled eggs. One of those eggs is empty. A little bit of symbolism there for you there. And then also a yard sign just to advertise the services for those who are in their neighborhood. And you can creatively or simply give that to your friend or your neighbor. You can set up a little egg hunt. You can drop them off at their door and then ring and run. Or you can talk to them and say, hey, this is for you. We just want to invite you to our service. However, you would like to do that. We just want to give you the tools. So make sure you register today so that you can stay connected with that. Also, speaking of being connected, we are offering Connect 101, which is our membership class at SBCC. We've got two classes available, one that's in person on the 21st, and then we also have one on the 28th that's via Zoom, and both of those classes begin at 1.30. It's just a means for you to be able to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and also how to become a church family here as a member of SBCC and to learn a little bit about the history of our church. So Pastor Seth is going to be bringing you through that. Register today for that, and you can... Uh, be ready for that on the 21st or the 28th. Also, baptisms, you guys. Baptisms is coming up here pretty soon. That's one of my favorite things about uh, being in a faith community is just celebrating these people proclaiming their love for Jesus through the waters of baptism. So we are having baptisms on the 28th, and you can register online for that or through the Church Center app. And we are going to be having them on the 28th for both services, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And if you have a child in your family that's wanting to be baptized, has questions about that, they're going to want to take the first step baptism class on the 21st, which takes place after second service on the 21st. And it's going to be awesome. It's a great class for them to take with you as their parent or guardian. And you can sign them up for baptism. And then on the 28th, it's going to be a holy dip party, y'all. We're going to be dipping folks for the name of Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. So make sure you sign up for that. We would love to be able to have you be a part of that. So before we head to the rest of the service, you guys, we just want to remind you that we as South Valley family believe in the practice of giving and to be generous in our actions and doing so. And so as we give, let us uh, remember that this is all in an effort to come alongside the work that the Lord is already doing in terms of ministry, uh, in addition to just general function at SVCC. And so we're going to put up here for you just the ways that you can give. Uh, if you're on campus, on your way out, you have the donation stations right by the door. And just for all of you who are SVCC family, thank you for partnering with us on that uh, as we are doing kingdom work here, y'all. And if you're new to SVCC, we don't want you to worry about that at all. It's just a practice that we have as church family. 
You guys, thank you for joining us today. We are hopeful in the sense that when you engage in the service today, that you will be filled with hope, you'll be filled with love, and that you will head out from the service today energized and ready to love on people in the name of Christ. Y'all have a good day, and we'll see you later. Bye now. We are very thankful for your continued uh, just generosity and giving back to God's kingdom. And we just wanted to make sure that we directed you the right way. We have four of those stations, those donation stations at four of the each of the exits. If you want to physically drop your tithe in there, you can do that on your way out. Or you can give in any way that Marcus mentioned in the announcements there online or even throughout the week at the church office. We're going to turn our attention to the screens. Throughout the next several weeks, uh, we have the opportunity to hear from some of the individuals from our church family on how God has moved in their lives and revealed himself to them throughout the past year as we've been going through this pandemic together. And uh, these are in a series of what we call faith talks. And as we go through these testimonies, we pray that they touch your heart and draw you closer to God. And so let's look at this week's faith talk from Justin and Michelle. At the beginning of the pandemic, I took a leap of faith and accepted a new position in healthcare at a time when COVID is very uncertain. No one knew what was going on. I trusted this was God's plan for me, and I jumped in head first, and it's been amazing. At the beginning of the pandemic, um, I, in March, when it all everything first shut down, I was laid off, and I spent 11 months uh, basically at home, basically a housewife at home. And God, I look at it back and go, God afforded me opportunity to be a lot closer with my kids and my wife and have a, a better family unit um, at home that I didn't get when I was working prior to COVID. We've also seen God move a lot within our Bible study group. Our group has grown more than double in size, which has given us a lot of people to connect with, a lot more faces to be um, people that we can lean on. And it's been really beneficial to us and to our family, especially in a time that's very dark and a lot of people feel alone. We've had that comfort of our Bible study group. God also has kept uh, his hand uh, uh, protecting uh, a number of our family members who actually contracted uh, COVID-19, uh, helped them get a safe recovery and move on and, and go get back to, you know, doing what they were doing before. Lastly, my father had two major surgeries during the pandemic and they were both very successful and our family was able to be together even though we weren't with him in the hospital we were still able to rally together and support him. We've been able to connect with SVCC during the pandemic by watching John and Amy's worship nights on Tuesday nights. And uh, also the uh, way South Valley has adapted and streamed services for children's and adult ministry uh, online as well. Well, hey, good morning, South Valley. How are we doing this morning? All right, that took a minute. We're still waking up. That's all right. Hey, if you're watching online with us this morning as well, go ahead and let us know in the chat how you're doing. Let us know where you're watching from. And uh, we're glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. We're just excited to have you with us this morning. So, so today I'm going to do something that I have not done for over a decade, which, uh, which just makes me feel a little bit older than I'm comfortable with. But... Um, but it's actually been about 12 years since I've done this, and, and with good reason. See, today 
I'm going to preach from the book of Revelation. And, uh, but I want to tell you why it's been so long since I've, uh, since I've done this, just so that if it goes horribly wrong, then you guys can at least have some sympathy for me, all right? So, see, uh, when I was a first-year seminary student, I knew that because of my status in seminary that I suddenly knew everything that there was to know about the Bible and all things therein, right? Um, Some of you who are parents, you know how this works, right? You send your kids to school for a little bit and suddenly they're like, got it, I know it all, uh, until they don't. Uh, so, So I decided to preach from the book of Revelation. It was my second time ever preaching in my life. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, I don't remember what passage I taught from. I, I don't remember what, uh, what my points were. I don't remember if I had any points. Uh, but, but here's what I do remember. I remember when I finished, a little bit of an awkward feeling looking out at the congregation and seeing the plethora of confused faces. But, no, 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 but it gets so much worse. Because I also remember I walk down from the stage, and the associate pastor walks up and puts his arm around me and looks and addresses the entire congregation and goes, well, that's not right, and begins to there with me at his side in front of the entire congregation, tell the church everything that was wrong with my sermon and begin to correct it. And, you know, thinking back, I'm, I'm not sure why I decided to continue pursuing pastoral ministry. Uh, apparently, God wanted me to do this, but uh, I definitely know why I never taught on the book of Revelation again until now. So, bear with me. <laughs> we'll see how this goes today. Uh, but before we jump into the book, we got to do, do a little bit of work to make sure we understand what we're reading and how to read this. So, a little bit of an introduction to reading Revelation but also just the Bible in general. See, you know, there's, there's just something about the book of Revelation that interests people more than the rest of the Bible, right? Like, like origins, Genesis, that's, that's one thing. But what about ultimate destiny, right? Like, we all want to know ultimate destiny, but, but you, you got to hang on for a minute. See, I want you to do me a favor and take everything you think you know about the book of Revelation and just dump it out and just hang out with me for a minute, all right? You can pick it back up when you're done if you want, but let's just, let's just hang out for a few minutes and, and read through the book of Revelation and see what this text actually has to say to us. See, this is really important when we read this. Revelation and the Bible as a whole, the Bible can never mean what it never meant. See, I'm, I'm going to say that again because the Bible can never mean what it never meant. And this is important because when we open the book of Revelation, we see that, uh, that John, right away, he's writing letters to specific churches in a specific time, in specific places. And he's writing words that he recognizes specific individuals will be reading. And, and he recognizes that these individuals need to see the words that he's writing because he wrote it to them. Now, having said that, the beauty and the wonder of the Bible is its ability to be timeless, right? Because there's, there's still so much here for us. But that's just it. The Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. 
See, John wrote these texts to specific people, to specific churches, but there's still so much that we can get from these texts to draw closer to Jesus. So, knowing that, we're going to jump in Revelation chapter 4 this morning, and we're just going to start in verse 1. And John is writing, and, and he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Now, don't go crazy yet. Remember, we're supposed to, supposed to dump everything out that we think we know about Revelation, which means we've got some questions to ask, right? With number one being, who the heck is sitting on this throne? right? Okay, I asked you to dump everything. I think most of us are still, we still know. Like, this is Jesus sitting on the throne, right? John has been lifted up into heaven and is seeing Jesus sitting on his throne. And this is where this gets important because we can see that right from the beginning of this text that there's this voice speaking to John, and it tells him that he needs to take him to show him the things that are going to take place in the future, So we end up doing this thing where when we read the book of Revelation, we read it as some sort of like super secret special mystery text that shows us all the secret answers of the future, right? We've got the secret codes and and that's how we have a tendency to read it. But remember, the Bible can never mean what it never meant. John's writing something to these people. He wants these people to know something. So what is it he's telling them? so that we can use that for us to grow closer to Jesus. It's important for us to understand what's going on here because it's important that we understand that after Jesus was crucified, after he rose from the grave three days later, he went to his followers and he told them to spread this message all over the world. Teach everybody everything that I've told you and teach them to to obey all of these things. And there's only a few of them, right? There's just a few people that it started with. And then we, we see that it starts to grow and grow and grow and grow. And of course, we know that it grew because this happened thousands of years ago in Israel. And here we are in Lemoore, California, reading these texts, learning this same gospel, looking at the words that Jesus shared. So obviously, it grew. But because of what Christianity looks like for us, in the here and now. I think sometimes we forget why in the world John would have even needed to write this book. Why he would have written this book to these people. We forget why he would send this to the people that he sent it to. See, let me put it this way. Jesus said that if you're going to follow him, you have to pick up your cross, right? And the cross what we have to understand, was most often used for enemies of the state, those who were enemies of Caesar's. And Jesus came preaching that our allegiance is not to any of the kingdoms of this world. Our allegiance is not to the Republican Party. It's not to the Democratic Party. It's it's not to a party line, but our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. It's to the kingdom that Jesus literally came bringing I I mean, did you realize 
that more than forgiveness of sins, more than redemption, more than heaven, more than salvation, more than hell, more than anything else, Jesus taught the kingdom of God. That was his central message. That's what he wanted us to know and understand more than anything else. And do you know what aligning yourself with the kingdom of God looks like? Do you know what aligning yourself with the kingdom of God looked like for these people? It looked like being fed to lions. It looked like having a spear thrust through your body. It looked like decapitation. It looked like having your head turned into a torch. Church, don't forget what took place for you to have the gospel here today. Don't forget the horrendous acts carried out against the church throughout history. And so John, as he writes to these people, he's not just writing this for this to be some sort of super scary future, right? Like these people are literally in a moment in time where they, they can't fall asleep because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't know when the state's going to come knocking on their door. They, they've seen their friends be thrown and fed to lions and ripped apart. They've seen their family members be killed by the government. They've watched those who they love most deeply be ripped out of their life violently. That's the reality that they're living in. So how would it make sense then for John to say, okay, I see what you're going through. So let me just say, it gets a lot worse, guys. <laughs> like, John is writing this for hope. He's writing this to give them hope in this moment. See, what John is doing is he's writing this and saying, look, I see your hurt. I see your lost family and friends. I see your fear. But do you know what else I see? Do you know who else I see? Jesus is still on his throne. In the midst of everything that's happening, Jesus is still in control, literally right now on his throne. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep moving forward because he hasn't abandoned us. He's still here. Take some hope and keep going. That's what John is giving them. That's what he's writing to them, that Jesus is on the throne. And yet, and yet where are we in all of this? See, when we read the book of Revelation as, as if it's only a bunch of stories that all happen in the future, we read about a time that Jesus is going to be on the throne, not that he is right now. And if you don't already see the danger in that, then let me help you out a little bit, okay? Imagine something for me, will you? Put yourselves in my shoes for a second. Imagine I come home from a long day of work and I open up my front door and begin to walk into my house and there's a man sitting on my couch watching TV. I open the door and I'm like, uh, hello? Who, who are you? And he's like, oh, hey man, I'm, I'm Willard. And, and real quick, like if your name is Willard, this has nothing to do with you. That's just the first name that came to mind when I was writing this. So he's like, oh, hey man, I'm Willard. Yeah, man, I, uh, I saw your wife and I was like, yeah, no, I like that. And, uh, and so now I'm here, I'm going to be her husband now and I'm going to be dad to Felicity Parker and Micah. So yeah, man, you can just go live your life. I got it from here. Like you're putting yourself in my shoes now, right? Like what do you do? 
Like, I mean, if, if you're not the kind of person who's like, I mean, man, hands are about to be thrown, right? Then maybe you need to reevaluate where you are with your family. But like, listen, ladies, I mean, you walk home and there's a woman in your house who says, no, 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 I'm mom now. I'm wife now. Like, I know the earrings are coming out and you're getting ready to get some, right? Like, and this is exactly what the danger of reading Revelation the wrong way is. See, if Jesus is going to be on his throne, well then, I guess it does look pretty comfy. And, and he's, he's not using it right now anyway. So, I mean, somebody may as well sit on it. And I'm here, so... Right? And, and, and we do this thing where we start to put ourselves into Jesus' throne as, as if it belongs to us. And listen, if you and I don't take well to somebody coming into our house and sitting in our seat, then you have to understand that Jesus is coming back. And if you and I don't take that well, well, and how does he feel about you trying to set yourself up in his seat? How does he feel about you and I trying to claim that his throne actually belongs to us? I I mean, how many of us are tired, right? How many of you are constantly finding yourselves exhausted from trying too much, from trying too hard to hold all of life together? You know why you're tired? Because you make a terrible God. Because you don't belong on that throne, And see, we try to tell ourselves, we're like, no, 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 Seth, Seth, I don't, listen, you don't, you don't understand. I don't try and set myself up on Jesus' throne. But like, listen, I'm a pastor and I catch myself doing it. Like, I have to be exceptionally careful every time I come up here and stand on the stage because it's really easy for me to say, all right, Seth, you got this? You can teach. Get out there, son. Go knock him out. And then you guys tell me how good I did. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And I go home with this enormously big head, and I realize, oh my gosh, what have I done? Right? Like, I just put everything on myself. But but here's the thing. We know this is not the right response because I don't tackle this through my abilities. Because if Jesus is on the throne, if he is king, then he's everything. And I have to wholly rest in him for everything in my life. And that means being diligent about whether you're coming up on this stage or going to your job or whatever it is that you do, stepping into that moment, whether you have the skills for it or not, and saying, Jesus, I'm resting in you for this. Because ultimately, you're in charge, and I'm not. No matter how good I am at something, I want you to stay in charge. But we still have this tendency, right? We have this tendency to think to ourselves, ah, if I just had a little more of fill in the blank then I'd be fine, right? And a lot of times that's power. If I just had, if, if I just got that promotion at work, if, if, if my kids just respected me more, right? If I just had that little bit more power, then, then I, but church, it's not yours. See, when Jesus ascended to heaven, one of the last things that he told his followers was not you have all authority. It wasn't even that you have some authority. He literally, he was like, guys, okay, authority, like that's all mine because I know where I'm going. That's all mine, peace out, I'll be back, right? That's not a literal translation, just so you know. But like he told us, he said, all authority is mine. It's not ours. It's his because he's the one on the throne. So what do we do with this? Well, we finished reading Revelation chapter 4. 
Don't worry, it's only seven verses. So in Revelation 4, starting up again in verse 4, John is still writing about what he's seeing in the throne room, and he says, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Man, can we just sit in that for a moment? Can we just sit in the reality of the throne room of God? And the reality of what Jesus is ultimately worth. Now, just in case you checked out, let me, let me bring you back real quick. I need to remind you. This is happening right now. The scene that we just watched play out in Revelation. John was watching it happen then, and it's happening now. Just because we can't see what's going on in the entire spiritual realm around us doesn't mean that it's not happening. Revelation means that there's a pulling back of the curtain of sorts. It's as if we see reality, but John got to see the ultimate reality. And what does he see? He sees pure, undefiled worship. John sees worship at the feet of King Jesus. He sees elders and creatures of all sorts of weird things worshiping Jesus. Creation is proclaiming back to the Creator that you are Lord and you alone are worthy. And, and check this out, church. I don't want you to miss this because I didn't catch this until I was writing this. The 24 elders, right? They've each got a throne and they each got a crown. But, but did you catch what they do with their thrones? They get out of them to worship at the feet of the throne of Jesus. And those 24 elders, they each had a gold crown. What did they do with them? They take them off and throw them at the feet of Jesus and worship him. So what do you do now knowing that it, you often find yourself trying to sit on a throne that doesn't belong to you, but that actually belongs to Jesus? You practice getting out of your own throne to worship him. You practice throwing everything good that you have in your life at his feet and worshiping him. And, and I know that this is hard. I mean, listen, a lot of us will talk about how much we love worship, and, and we do. But take away the music. 
Look at the full seven days a week that you have in front of you. Take away the music. Now how much do you love worship? How much of your life is truly dedicated to looking like the scene of the throne room, worshiping at the feet of Jesus? Is it that you love worship or do you just love it when your jam comes on? Right? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot here, but stay with me, all right? We're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about commandments, okay? Now, when you, when you think commandments, what do we think when we think commandments in the Bible, right? Give you a hint. Ten commandments, right? But see, there were actually way more than just ten, like, like 603 more. There were 613 Old Testament commandments. Now, there was this rabbi who lived around the same time that Jesus was here on earth. And he had a Gentile come up to him, which just means that he was a non-Jew. And this Gentile comes up to him and he says, okay, rabbi, I'm demanding an answer. There's all these laws. Can you just sum it up for me? What is the greatest among these laws? And the rabbi tells him, he says, okay, I want you to think. What is the thing that you hate most? Now go and do that to no one. That is the greatest commandment, right? But, but if we've read the gospel accounts, we know that Jesus, who is the greatest of all rabbis, was asked this same question, and he didn't exactly give the same answer. In fact, while one rabbi focused on hate, Jesus gave quite the opposite answer. See, the religious leaders came to Jesus, and they were trying to trap him. They said, okay, Jesus, if you're, if you're such a good teacher, then what's the greatest of all the commandments? And what does he tell him? He says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what's interesting? I mean, have you ever walked in a Christian bookstore and looked around at the books? How many books do you find on loving God? Right? Like there's plenty of books in there on Christian living. There's plenty of books on, on how to do the right things to follow Jesus. There's, there's plenty of books on, on how to read the Bible and things like that. But how often do we see books on actually loving God? Nobody's writing those books. And, and I at least find that really interesting because that's what Jesus says is the most important, that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, I think that Jesus was teaching the religious leaders the then the same thing that he would be teaching us now. He's teaching that you can know all the facts you want to know about the Bible. You can know the scriptures and you can know more about God than anyone else in the world. And you can still miss them. You can still miss them. So Seth, how do I love God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Can I give you the really simple answer? Get off the throne. <laughs> Get off the throne. It's not yours. If you want to love God, then you have to treat him as Lord. You treat him as king king of all of creation. That's where it starts. You'll find that as you begin to put Jesus where he belongs and allow Jesus to put you where you belong, then the Holy Spirit will begin to stir your affections towards God. And the affections themselves are not love, but your sacrifice of self and elevation of Jesus as the one you truly love. That's your love. And we know this, but, but we often don't want to admit it. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, is there anybody in here who you feel like you wasted a day if you didn't have like a checklist and you marked a bunch of stuff off of it, right? You got to check those things out. Anybody like that? Okay, there's like three of us. Cool. 
I'm that kind of person, right? Like, I've got to be checking things off of a list. And, and so I had a really hard time bonding with my oldest two kids because I didn't take time off of work that I should have. And when I was home, I was like, okay, I got to do something. I got to be like, well, while my wife's taking care of the kids, I'll like do the dishes or I'll mow the lawn or I'll, I'll fix part of the house and then have to fix it again because I'm not good at fixing things. And, and I would even find that as, like, as I would rock my oldest daughter, Felicity, to sleep, that I would always make sure I'd go and I'd grab my headphones so I could, while I'm rocking her, put them in, listen to a podcast or an audio book or something, and uh, just make sure that I'm using, making good use of my time, right? A pro tip, uh, I would listen to The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard out loud while putting my daughter to sleep. Worked like a charm, guys. So uh, that tip's for free, parents. But, you know, I ended up being told that if I want to bond with my children, that I have to stop trying to manage everything in my life. I have to stop trying to hold it all together. And instead, I was told, feed the kids instead of your wife. Feed them the bottle. And when you're doing it, stare in their eyes and smile at them. Just, have you ever tried to smile when you're not actually like wanting to smile? It's weird. I feel like I just look creepy to my kids, but hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. But listen, as I'm being told to to feed them the bottle, look at them, stare in their eyes, and smile. Church, do you know that that's what Jesus is looking to do with you? He loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. He created you, and he did that because he wants you. See, I I think to myself all the time, all of the different people that God could have made in my place. Like, he could have in my place made somebody who would have cured cancer by now. He could have in my place made somebody who would have completely prevented this pandemic from happening. There are all sorts of people he could have made in my place. So why me, God? And the only rational thing that makes sense is that he wanted me, is that he wants you. He made you because he wants you. Press in to that, knowing that Jesus loves you and pressing into his love for you will only help you to pursue loving him. Loving him by getting off of your throne to worship at the feet of his. Loving him by taking anything in your life that might be a crown and taking that off and casting it at his feet and worshiping him. And declaring that he is the only one, the only one worthy of everything you have to offer in your life. Know that Jesus loves you. Press into that love. Love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and worship him. Worship him with everything you have at every moment you have to give. Because see, the beautiful thing about the book of Revelation is that as it's pulling back this curtain and showing us this ultimate reality, this reality that Jesus is right now on his throne, that he is right now being worshipped by creation, Revelation is an invitation to you and an invitation to me to step into that worship of our Creator to get out of our earthly thrones, to stop holding on as if we can hold all of life together and throwing it back to him and worshiping him. And do you know what the best part of all of this is? It's what you were made for, right? Like this is the thing that's going to bring you life. 
As long as you're trying to be God and hold everything together, you're going to find yourself exhausted over and over again. But as soon as you step out of that and into what God created you for, you'll find life. You'll find life that is abundant. It's that life that Jesus promised us. And listen, that doesn't start when you die. The abundant life can start now. You've been invited into that life with Jesus, acknowledging him as king and Lord of your life. That's what you were created for. So let's step into that church. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good, and your mercy is beyond anything that we could ever imagine or ever deserve. Move us to get off of your throne and allow you to sit where you rightfully belong. Move us with your love and use that to pull us into deeper love and relationship with you. And may you teach us to worship you at all times and in all things. Jesus, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would be here this morning moving in our hearts, stirring our affections towards you, constantly drawing us in to the next step with you, one step at a time, recognizing that sometimes we'll succeed, sometimes we'll fail, but you will pick us back up and help us to just take that next step, one more step, one step closer to you, Jesus. Continue to encourage us, allow us to feel your love, and allow your love to draw us closer to you. Jesus, we love you and we lay everything at your feet where it rightfully belongs. And it's in your perfect name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a wonderful week.